that is our cool introduction for Radio Drama Revival, uh, the story, the show dedicated to stories told to the medium of sound showcasing the diversity and vitality of modern audio theater. Here you hear news, reviews, discussion, and of course, stories. And I'm your host, Fred. And uh, we're actually uh, fun having a fun uh different take here today. Um, usually we'll have guests, uh, we've had guests from all over the country, but usually they um, visit us um, using the wonderful uh, telephone technology. Now we actually have someone here in the studio, Diane Ballin. Uh, she is a seasoned audio educator and sound artist. Um, you've heard her work uh, perhaps on National Public Radio, All Things Considered. Um, now she has done a lot of sound installations, uh, one that was recently at the USM Lewiston-Auburn campus. Um, recently, most recently in her education work, um, she does work for the University of Maine Augusta as a studio staff, um, and she's worked with the National Audio Theater Festivals for uh, some time, Diane. How, about how long? Well, actually, um, I started as a participant, and I think I've been on the staff now for 10 or 11 years. I can't quite remember. <laughs> But I do want to say that um, starting as a participant, I was completely in awe of what I had seen of the experience there, which was called the Audio Theater Workshop. Excellent. Well, uh, Diane, thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Um, yeah, so so quick word on uh, the National Audio Theater Festivals, also called NATF, N-A-T-F, um, week-long workshop in West Plains, Missouri. Um, was it uh, also already in West Plains when you first started? Um, no, actually, I started in um, Missouri, in another part of Missouri as well. And the, the history is it did start off as the Midwest Radio Theater Workshop and then became the National Audio Theater Festivals Incorporated. So West Plains right now seems to be the home. It's in the heart of the Ozarks. It's in the valley. And that's where we come together to produce um, live radio theater, which gets produced live and broadcast live at the end of a long and hectic week. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and, and what what are, you know, I remember I went, I think it's 2007 now, um, and I saw you, uh, a lot of the times you had a Nagra recorder in your hands. Do you want to talk a little bit about what you do um, at, as an educator and as a participant, you know, what your role in NADIF? Sure. Actually, there are many um, workshops that are held at the beginning of the week, and I stress the beginning of the week because as Thursday starts to come by, we start getting ready to produce the plays. And so you have anything from actors' workshops, writers' workshops, and I am on the technical engineering end of the um, producers there at the festival. And so I will teach, I do teach an audio um, workshop in editing, uh, and that's digital editing, as well as uh, work to help produce the show. During the live show, I sit at the front of house with the mix engineer and I usually help mix the sound effects that are happening live. But primarily my job is to, and it's a wonderful <laughs> position, is to be the roving recordist. <laughs> and I go around with a wonderful recorder and catch what we would probably call an audio postcard of the week to catch all of what is happening as it is happening. And that is used as a promo, and it's also used... Um, at, for their application to get funding for the next um, workshops. Sure, and we have some great clips um, we'll get to in a moment. Um, first question, though, who would you, who would you say are the, um, the audience, or who, who are the kinds of people who are the students who uh, come, to this, um, come to this workshop each spring? Well, it's real interesting. I, at first, I thought it mostly would be all actors and writers and be a little bit more focused on that aspect of radio theater. 
And I was really surprised also and delighted because personally I love the production engineering end of it. And so we, did, we do get a mix of um, audio engineers, uh, students learning audio recording and engineering, as well as actors, writers. Um, so it's a wonderful sort of kaleidoscope of um, people that come. Yeah, and, and of course a lot of other um, professionals working in the field. There are people from NPR there. Um, locally, uh, Bill DeFries, the voice actor, is there teaching some uh, voice acting workshops, editing. So, so it's a, a great way to learn um, a lot. I, I certainly did, especially um, with the, the live experience. And uh, would you say that's a bit unique that uh, people are teaching live radio theater, you know, and, and in this days of, uh, of everything being uh, post-produced and pre-recorded? Yes, and actually the techniques and uh, it's a wealth of information that you can get from being there. Um, uh, Bill DeFries actually did one year teach um, how to create a good demo uh, to submit to producers for possibility of your work being on the radio. And so there's the business end of it as well as the art of creating and being able to put it together um, broadcast quality wise. Yeah, um, let's let's talk about these workshops because the year I went, um, a helicopter showed up, and we all went out uh, with a variety of different uh, equipment. Equipment um, I could not even dream of buying um, to record this helicopter. I think our first clip is kind of about that. Do you want to do you want to fill in listeners about uh, what happened that year? Sure, that was absolutely fantastic. It looked it looked like a movie set, though we're proud to say it was an audio set, <laughs> and it was actually um, I think twenty different people with recorders, including myself and Fred went out, and um, I, I always call it uh, a helicopter landing near you. <laughs> and this helicopter specifically came to land in the middle of uh, what was like a little commons for all of us to record, and that was going to be part of Dwight Frizzell's piece called Sonic Force. And we do have a clip here of Sonic Force. You will hear the piece, and you'll hear uh, Dwight describing um, the piece. Right, because people certainly um, thought we looked a little bit weird, but when they hear the final piece, it was a whole different experience. Let's, let's get into this. I'm Dwight Frizzell, uh, co-creator of Sonic Force Thunderbolt Threnody, and I'll be performing tomorrow night of this production that involves the recordings of two A-10 Warthog attack planes, an Arivac helicopter, and a live musical ensemble. And narrators that play the role of the two pilots involved and the control tower uh, voice of authority, which we've elevated on stage. Well, 
well, Diane, it sounds like that would be a great clip if you had subwoofers installed in your car. <laughs> Actually, that was performed um, live with um, surround sound in the theater. Yeah, that's yes. got to be quite quite the experience. Um, so that was an interesting piece. Um, a lot of elements to it. Uh, you'd say that's typical of the kind of content, um, the, the kind of pieces that get produced at uh, Natif? Um, actually, that is quite an unusual piece. It's really a sound art piece, and those are the type of pieces that are also being included at the workshops. Um, some of the others are a little bit more traditional in the straight um, radio play or radio theater, um, but sound effects are always a, an important element of that. Sure. And um, is, that, is that something that you've, you've, you, you, you said you uh, produce and work in the mixing and, and editing part of it? Uh, have you been on the um, live sound effects team before? I have never been on the live sound effects. Um, when, I do the, when I do these audio postcards or demos, I always go to the sound effects crew because I'm very intrigued by what they have come up with to make what kind of sound. Right, right, because that, that did have, uh, I think this piece had, you know, pre-recorded uh, warthogs, helicopters, as well as there's a whole live band there and a lot of other pieces that went into it. Um, so going from the, the participant role, um, you said you were so intrigued you came back as an instructor. What are some of the things you've learned about audio by being involved in this? Well, actually, um, one of the wonderful things is that I got to actually test or use upcoming equipment. Um, audio manufacturers will lend their state-of-the-art or next-in-line recorders, and then we are able to try them out and actually get them for a pretty good deal at the end. Some of the time I couldn't afford that, but I did get to use some nice recordings. I can just go down the hall and brainstorm and talk with um, engineers about, you know, problems that I'm having in audio recording and how to solve them. And those are the, that's the type of learning that I get. And also because I did not have as much of a field in the actors, writing, um, voice acting, I, I also have learned a lot in that field as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I jumped right by this, but I, um, you have this clip um, that is about sound effects, and, and I, I'd, I'd love to do this because this sounds fun. So this is, I, I, I have the benefit of having heard this. This is the sound of thunder. And uh, so, Diane, how do people hear about thunder? Let's find out here. My name is Tony Brewer. I'm from Spencer, Indiana, and I am the sound effects director for this year's plays at the National Audio Theater Festivals. Uh, some of the live manual sound effects that we put together this year include, for the wind behind us, some manual thunder effects. One involving a simple effect with a uh, balloon full of BBs. All right, that, that one's pretty good. Um, this, the, and there's also one here, again, on sound effects about creating footsteps, and I think this is, um, also shows some of their, their innovation. These are classic wingtips about a Buck 98 Salvation Army. And this is on a, about an 18 by 18 piece of uh, half-inch plywood. And these are the footsteps. Not bad. Um, so, you know, I, I think that they, they, they must rummage this stuff up, right? You don't, you know, it's not like they go to Natif and there's a big pile of balloons waiting for them, is there? Actually, um, that was Tony Brewer that you heard, and he often is the sound effects director. They ha- we have other directors from other parts of the country, but 
there was one time when um, I was interviewing Tony and he actually just came in with about four or five pieces of asphalt. And I'm looking down and seeing these chunks of asphalt. It's the kind that, you know, you don't want on your street or at the end of your driveway. And he is um, collecting them so that he can test them out for various sound effects. It was great. <laughs> well, it's certainly a lot to find in Maine in the summertime, that's for sure. Um, so, you know, what, what you said that you liked, you know, being in this community of audio professionals. And I, I certainly think that would be, you know, excellent. You're really around people who understand good audio, who live and breathe it. Um, a lot of um, professionals in, in everything from commercials to, like, you know, national public radio, things like that. Um, what are some of the other highlights or some of the other, you know, parts about the, the week that you really look forward to um, each year? Um, actually, the anticipation of uh, going on stage is always very exciting. And for me, it's not as nerve-wracking because I'm a little bit behind the scenes. But to see all the participants who come and are very uh, a little bit nervous, and we've been uh, doing rehearsals. The rehearsals always run late. And it's just very exciting to finally see it all together and produced and actually um, performed live. Uh, we're not just going to tape. That's right. great. And do you think this is the first opportunity a lot of these uh, participants have had in doing a live broadcast of this type? And it really varies. It varies from students just getting into the field to people who are semi-pro. Uh, they have their own business, say, of doing voiceovers or whatever. Um, but they're always learning from the directors and from the staff as well. So it's a really nice um, mix of people. Uh, yeah, and, and one, uh, you know, just to throw out names, like the, the year I went, Simon Jones was there, um, as well as this gentleman, um, Jeffrey Hedquist, um, who's, who's a, quite a bit of a character too. I think he, he uh, emceed the show, um, and he, I think he, what is he, from um, Hollywood, and he's an interesting guy. Um, let me let me do this piece. Um, I guess you, we've got him to do a piece from the BBC. Uh, let's let's play this. What happens at the NATF is that everyone always needs something, a sound, an effect, a piece of music, a voice. And although I was teaching improv and working with a team of actors for the Saturday night performance, Patrick Bradley, who wrote the play Homefront, asked me to recreate a 1940s BBC radio announcer. London is under siege tonight. Nazi planes and buzz bombs rain destruction down on this ancient city. A city where these brave people have taken shelter to wait out the onslaught. The bombs are coming closer to my broadcast location, which I cannot reveal for safety and security reasons. I hope to continue this broadcast to further bring you these events. That's pretty good. Um, and that, that must have been produced during the, the, the course of the sh uh, workshop, right? Yeah, and actually my memory of that is that you know, suddenly we needed this um, BBC broadcast and s somebody got J Jeffrey. It is um, common to have people pull you off to do a million things, and that's also exciting. Um, I actually recorded Jeffrey. I recorded the voice over. I had him standing, um, looking into a wall uh, so that we wouldn't get, uh, I didn't want a lot of echo on him, so it was like a rugged wall. And then we went over to George Czar, who is, um, actually has, some, has had some plays on Broadway, and he had his laptop and Audacity, and he added the um, static and the 
uh, telephone effect. Excellent. And uh, so you've, you've got, again, all, all these talents, all these people collected um, at this place, little side projects that that happen. Um, have you seen a lot of good things uh, go on from that? Now, you know, obviously, if they're working professionals, they go to NADF, they've already got something going on. Have you seen participants also uh, go on to uh, get involved more professionally in audio because of this? Um, yes, I have. And, and I've been in touch with um, several people who have. I have also benefited from teaching. I did some um, audio workshops at Cal State in Fresno because of meeting someone. So there, the, it is networking as well. And what's really impressive is, you know, some of these big names um, really will, you know, give you the email and help you out. Cool. Um, just to, in case you're just tuning in, this is uh, talking with Diane Ballin about the National Audio Theater Festival. This is a week-long workshop held uh, middle of June. And let me actually pull up the website here. It's coming up uh, right next month. Um, uh, yes, from the 21st to 27th, um, natf.org to check out the website. Um, and they've also offered to uh, extend a early bird uh, subscri- uh, registration fee of uh, 425 instead of their full, uh, you know, it, it's up a bit higher now. So that, that's pretty cool. Um, and and there, it's a you know great experience for all, all kinds of people interested in audio. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, are there, what, what other um, interesting stories? Certainly there's, everything doesn't always go well. Are, are there interesting stories of <laughs> when, when something, you know, uh, uh, the balloon pops that they're going to use for the, the thunder, you know? <laughs> do you have any uh, little fun war stories that you can share with us? Well, actually being on the spot, if you asked that to me ahead of time, mm-hmm. maybe I could have remembered mm-hmm. some. But um, what does come to mind is just the... Uh, you know, oftentimes I get pulled to do sound effects, to record sound effects live in the field, and um, and also to find recorded sound effects. And I had someone who wanted the sound of an eagle because the uh, name of the play was Where the Eagles Soar mm-hmm. or something, and if you're a bird watcher, you know that the sound of an eagle is kind of wimpy, and it's not that, you know, hawk sound that everybody thinks is an eagle. So we had a little bit of... um searching and uh, kind of processing to make uh, that eagle sound a little heftier. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Um, and and so how much do you think people have, have realized these scripts? Um, are they, um, I, I have a sense that they sometimes are chosen ahead of time, but how much of the production is already lined up before they show up uh, uh, Monday in uh, West Plains? Well, that, that part of it is, gets a little wild, I'd have to say. Um, the directors do work with their assistant directors and the sound effects crew ahead of coming for the week. and um, But the script is revised quite a number of times um, up until Friday, two days before the show, so it does get quite busy. Mm. Um, we have this other clip, um, Vietnam. Um, I'm not sure what we're going to hear here. Let's, let's just hear it and we can talk about it um, once we hear the clip. We found a single plane, and then we took a couple of other single planes and created a squadron. And that's what I've done. So I've combined the two of them so that one will kind of follow the other and blend in. Where'd you go? I I can't go back like this. (laughs) Cap! Freaking medic! Get some more feet over here! All 
right? That's a pretty ho- Hollywood one. <laughs> that kind of gives me chills hearing yeah. that. Um, that's uh, engineer Ben Taylor. And what we also do is uh, have a CD library of sound effects. But I do want to mention that what he did and what everybody does is is take those sound effects and then really do sound design with them. He only had the recording of one single plane, and so he was the one who, you know, did the other dubs and created the squadron, so to speak. Yeah, and, you know, and, and one thing that just occurred to me when hearing that is that um, of how rich uh, a sound portrait and an imagination portrait you can get in your mind just, just with the sound, um, you know, whereas that could have been a multi-million dollar video shoot. Um, so, so you, do you have... Do you think that participants come there still thinking in in this sort of film background? Maybe they, um, you know, they're more they've taken screenwriting classes. It's hard for them to get into thinking for audio. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Um, what I love is the challenge of audio that you that you have the picture that the listener is creating in their mind, and you're not given the picture already. And I think that makes us work harder for the sounds and the sound effects and the performances. Mm. And um, uh, like, like the piece we just heard, you know, uh, giving us a, a portrait of Vietnam, we also can go far back in time. Um, we have a, a piece here from Lewis and Clark, which I think is, is kind of fun on, again, um, using ingenuity to solve sound problems and to use uh, sound to um, give impressions of what something may have sounded like, even if, you know, we don't have a keelbolt to work with. So uh, here's a piece. Uh, this one's called Lo- Lewis and Clark. And I am the director of We Buried Him on Top of the Bluff, which is the day in the Corps of Discovery expedition that Sergeant Charles Floyd died, the only member of the expedition to die. Later, the whole group of us went to the river. We brought a canoe, by the way, but we could only fit three people in the canoe, and we had to recreate the sound of paddling a keelboat. And to recreate that, had everyone standing alongside the shore, all in a row, and paddling. So many pieces about Lewis and Clark have been like pageants. This is like opening a hole in time. It's like looking at the Missouri River sound-wise, and you're just looking at this beautiful vista, and all of a sudden a keelboat comes into view. Damn my insides, like I'm being torn up. Even sleeping don't bring me no relief. Where am I, Patrick? Back in the keelboat, Charlie. We moved you aboard, tried not to disturb you. We needed to push on the next four miles, even with all this rain. Turn up the lantern, Patrick. I can hardly make you and Reuben out. We got him turned up, Sergeant Floyd. I can see you and Sergeant Gas plenty good. Hush, Reuben. Hey. Don't you have guard duty? Go. Leave Sergeant Floyd in peace. And you heard uh, Marcy Mancotti was the director of that and Tom Lopez, um, renowned uh, director, uh, producer, audio producer at ZBS, uh, talking about being out in the field and uh, on a canoe with a bunch of paddles, huh? Um, Sounds pretty fun. Um, So things do change up every year. Um, This year looks like they're doing a piece with um, Edgar Allan Poe and and some other things. Um, How, how, um, you know, what are are some of the changes? What are some of the things that, um, about this year specifically, is there anything um, that you're particularly looking forward to versus other years or just in general? Well, Dwight Frizzell is back, and he did Sonic Force, which we heard at the beginning and actually we'll hear on the way out. And um, I'm particularly interested in uh, the veterans' oral history, um, mostly because that's kind of a personal um, aspect of what I also do is 
do a lot of spoken word interviews, and I, I think that that will really uh, also give a really nice, um, well, performance. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 so just to, just a real quick again, the the website for the National Audio Theater Festivals to learn more is natf. Org. Uh, right when you first get there, you'll see a link to um, check out what's happening at the uh, at the latest workshop. Um, there is a piece for newcomers on uh, doing a uh, Edgar Allan Poe story. Um, this piece by Dwight Frizzell looks like it's um, involved uh, about Darwin. Um, talk about what that means as well as uh, veterans' oral history. So they really do put a lot into innovating this, making it so there's uh, good reasons to come back, new new programming, uh, new blood. And I think they just recently announced there's going to be a, uh, a voice acting for animation workshop or something like that. Let me um, get any details on that. So, um, you know, they, they keep it interesting, right? They, they want, you know, they want to provide something that's really not provided anywhere else. In fact, last year it was Shakespeare and cowboy poetry. <laughs> and for me as the demo producer, um, I need to kind of merge those two, uh, what felt like widely different subjects together and so I was kind of scratching my head it was absolutely wonderful mm. uh, and you know and, and I guess from an education standpoint um, I, I just you know thought just occurred to me that you, again you don't find a lot of well you don't find much in audio theater teaching anywhere really um, but even in general it's you know audio advanced audio courses are a little uncommon so um, would, would you say that's one of the big advantages that they're offering this experience that's hard to find I do the training is superb it's actually um, you know we do get a lot of comments and feedback um, from participants for the training itself and then the excitement of the performance kind of brings us all together it's it is very unique um, so let me, uh, like I said, there was a special workshop I wanted to mention. Uh, we are going to be able to offer an early bird discount. Um, anyone who hears the show today, do check out natf.org. Um, there's also, I guess, Kathy Garver teaching a special master class on voice techniques for animation. Because, uh, of course, um, animation is, is, in a way, audio theater, um, which is pretty fun. So, uh, Diane, any, any closing thoughts? Um, no, I just, uh, um, I'm looking at our last cut, and you will actually hear the helicopter that we all were standing out there recording. And again, this is back to Dwight Frizzell and Sonic Force. And um, if you do uh, find an interest and want to come, uh, please mention that you're from Maine and you heard this on Fred's show, and you will get the discount. Thanks, yeah. Fred. Uh, thanks, thanks, Diane. Uh, NATF.org. And let's hear this piece by uh, Dwight Frizzell. This time, that's so exciting, though, we got to add a special guest, which is an Arivac helicopter. So I'm going into the helicopter to play my alto saxophone. The indication is match, merge, and soar with the sound of the helicopter. So I'll take the first pass, and then Dwight will take a tenor sax up for the second one. This is SAR to Control Tower. Request clearance for landing. SAR, you are clear for landing. Caveman requesting clearance for landing. Caveman is also clear for landing.
Sonic Force. Right, and that wraps it up for Radio Drama Revival this week. Hope you enjoyed um, our chat with Diane Ballin. If you want to hear more about that, it will be up on the podcast, radiodramarevival.com. If you want to hear that helicopter, I was there. It was pretty fun. I took some pictures um, and some clips of sound. That'll be It's on the Radio Drama Revival blog now, um, but if you haven't seen it, you can go um, check it out, um, radiodramarevival.com. I'll, I'll put it back up to the top. Um, so, uh, yeah, check it out, radiodramarevival.com. Uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, see you next week. And uh, as always, keep your mind and your ears open. Thanks so much.